This is alternative history. Darn it! This is alternative. <laughs> oh my god! This is alternative history. So my kids are going to see a movie, and I said bye, Felicia, to my three-year-old daughter, Stella. Was that wrong of me to say that? I mean, is she a crackhead? Not a crackhead that does crack, but she has a lot of similarities to a crackhead. She acts like a crackhead sometimes. Yeah, I mean, she's very... She steals shit from me all the time. Breaks your stuff? Yes. Takes your stuff? Yes. Demands your time? Uh-huh. Cares not about your time? Correct. She might. Well, as long Just as an emotional wreck of a human being. <laughs> Her emotions are all over the map. Okay, that's a little crackheadish, but not doing crack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what movie they go see? The Grinch, which oddly enough also came out in 2000. Interesting, because today here at the Alternative History, we're going to talk about two films that came out in the year 2000. <gasps> what a coincidence! Indeed, indeed. So again, here we at the Alternative History. As you know, provide a topic, we then give you guys some information on that topic, and we determine whether or not that topic deserved a different result, a different perception, an alternative history. Correct. So the Alternative History Podcast is going to be looking at the year of 2000 and the two movies in particular that came out that year, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Gladiator. The thesis this week is that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon should have won the Best Picture Award over Gladiator. Yes, in the 2001 Oscars, Gladiator did in fact win the Best Picture. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was nominated. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon did win Best Foreign Language Film. Exactly. Which I find kind of odd that we, country that doesn't have an official language would give out an award for Best Foreign Language Film. To me, it should just be called Best Foreign Film. I never thought about that. Good point. That's a good point. I don't know if they've changed it recently. But it just that's seems odd, but whatever. Very that's true. a that's a conversation for another day. Uh, and you know what? Historically, I haven't seen too many of the best foreign language films, but I have seen one with you. We saw The Lives of Others. Yes. That was an excellent movie, by the way. Fantastic Sidebar. movie <laughs> that uh, we went on a mandate with, uh, with Peter, <laughs> yes. and he paid for the movie and then took us out for drinks afterwards. And, yeah, uh, that was wonderful. It was, it was, I told him it was one of the more magical nights that I had in a long time. Shout out to my stepfather, yes, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Love we'll to do it again soon. Back on track, please. It's going off the rails. My fault. <laughs> All right. So uh, what we like to do is we're going to be living in a particular year this episode the year 2000. So we'd like to give you guys some recap about what happened in that year. Yeah, so let's start with movies. In the year 2000, dude, a lot of movies came out. You can add lists. I, I've been trying to cut these lists down because I know our listeners don't exactly like listening to lists, but I kind of feel like this 1998 to 2002 was one of the golden eras of movies, and 2000 was one of those years. But well, we know the Grinch, how The Grinch Stole Christmas came out, which is kind of weird that it's out again. It's well, a different version of it. 18 years later, yes. And, 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 and my little Felicia loves that movie. It's such a good She can't say Grinch. She says Binch. And she's like, I'm not a Binch. You're a Binch. And if she says it real fast, it doesn't sound like bench. That sounds really funny. So apparently, me up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyhow. So besides How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey that year, uh, 2000 also offered us Gladiator, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the film Castaway, X-Men, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Requiem for a Dream, Almost Famous, and I said before, you stole my thunder ahead, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. A couple other movies I wanted to touch on. Unbreakable came out that year, Ooh. which there's a sequel coming out now called Glass. Yes. Which, kind of odd that, I mean, I, Gladiator now will be possibly making a sequel, just, too. I saw yeah. that in the news. So, exactly. Yeah, All these movies keep getting recycled. Like, things keep coming back again. It's like we don't have an imagination anymore. And we're still making X-Men movies, too, <laughs> yes. right? Uh, Mission Impossible 2 came out, which there are still, there are many, many... But this one was the most ridiculous of them. There is a scene that almost made me stop watching Mission Impossible movies just because it just hit the, it was like the peak of ridiculousness. Trying to laugh over here, thinking about yeah. that movie, yes. They drove, so Tom Cruise and uh, this bad guy who was actually supposed to be Wolverine, I forgot what his name was, like Dugray Scott. He was supposed to be Wolverine, but he had to make this silly movie, Mission Impossible 2. Like, how pissed would you be that I have to ride my motor... Like, so they're riding their motorcycles at each other at full speed, and then they decide to... 
the best idea would be to jump off the motorcycles at the same time and <laughs> smack into each other in midair and then just fall over. And like, fight. Yes. Yeah, and then they started fighting. That would murder you. They would both be dead. You and I saw this movie in a theater. We saw it at the Prospect Mall Theater where my brother was working. And I walked out of that theater and said they should change the title of that movie to Mission Impossible to See. Yeah, it was, it was so awful. bad. It was, it, it, was, was it was it was pretty good. Was good and terrible. Movie. That was bad. You can count on me. Wonderful movie. Wonder, wonderful movie. Fantastic. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. It was pretty much his. I, I think, think it was his debut. His debut. Uh, he was very Marlon Brando-esque in that movie. I thought his acting was fabulous. I it was really well written. Too. I always confuse the actress. Is it Laura Linney? Laura Linney. Okay, it is yeah. She was great. And there's another movie called Pollock that came out that year about artist Jackson Pollock. I've never seen very, it. Very, very, very good. Okay, on to TV. So the top shows of 2000, the 2000, 2001 year. Without uh, you even saying, I could probably think of like two or three. I won't say Friends was up on that show. I'm certain. Friends? Yeah. Yeah. Survivor was number one. Yeah. ER was number two. Yeah, still, I love ER. Right? Tell me, that's my show. Who wants to be a millionaire? I'm gonna get back to them because I got major bone to pick with that show. <laughs> Friends, Monday Night Football, Everybody Loves Raymond. So the Friends, Monday Night Football, and Everybody Loves Raymond were all tied for fifth. So who wants to be a millionaire? So when we talk about the TV shows, you know, I always get upset when there's one show that's on multiple nights and they say that it's like in first place, in fifth place, in sixth place. It's one of your irritants, yes, when you, when you research American this American Idol stuff. was yes. like that. I think Survivor has been like that before. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire took it to a new height in Wasn't 2000. It like every day? It was on, it was like, on every day. Yes, I thought. And so Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was in third and fourth place for their Wednesday and Tuesday show, and it was listed five times in the top 20. That's just ridiculous. Like, it's a game show. Do you remember the movie Running Man? Yeah. So it felt like the, they predicted the future was going to be nothing but, you know, these interesting, exciting reality TV shows. And by the year 2000, sure enough, yeah. Survivor, which is kind of like The Running Man, was out, it's as just, was this show. But I would watch the, like, I would watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire if, like, they had, like, a limb chopped off if they got an answer wrong. <laughs> that would have been sweet. Or, like, they had to phone a friend, like, uh, which foot is Billy going to lose if he gets this wrong? Ah. And so I remember that show, and it was it was all right. And I think that it lived on. I think it got like a different host, and I think it's, it might even be gone into syndication for a little while, like uh, with Meredith Vieira. Meredith Vieira did it for a while. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it started out like like gangbusters. It was crazy. It was like I remember it had one really excellent like clip where like the guy knew he won, so he called his dad. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm just call it. You know, I just won a million dollars." It's like the answer is Richard Nixon, and like he won. It was that was a pretty slick scene, like. Yeah, that's what I wrote that show. Yeah, well, but again, it to me it was it was cheating. But anyhow, <laughs> for the I, don't know, I don't know why I figure I find that cheating. <laughs> you hate that. But they just oversaturate the market with something that's really good. It's like it's like candy. Right. It's like it's, it's, it's like it's like television diabetes, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So other uh, TV shows that were out, Sopranos, fantastic. It was mm. in I think its second season, and one of our favorites. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That came out in 2000. I believe that was its debut. Right. Or it was out in 2000. It was on in 2000. 2000, yeah. Without listen, looking at your list, I'm almost certain that that 70s show, which I also liked a lot, was It may have been on was that out in yeah. 2000. I'm sure, I'm sure of it, yeah. So, top music. I can't really say that it was all that great of a year. Uh, these were the top Billboard chart songs. Breathe by Faith Hill, Smooth by Santana and Rob Thomas. I admit that I may have like went that. a little bit overboard yeah. with that song. I, I, you like that song. It was kind of like what we do on this podcast where I watch something or like get like so depth into it that I no longer want to do it anymore or listen to it. You refer to it as some sort of a Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome where, you, where at, while you're doing it, you're like, I need it, I want it. But then when, when I get like reprogrammed, when I get kidnapped and taken to a hotel room or a sleazy motel room and reprogrammed by some chain-smoking private detective. Putting eye drops in your yeah, eyes. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's do yeah, full disclosure. The, the one that we're talking about, without talking about it, is Last Man Standing, right? Because you watched that show and we, we did the show. I brainwashed I thought, myself I thought you liked that it. show. And yeah. now you told me that after you stopped, after the show... And we talked about it last episode too, and this may be a recurring theme for me. That <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in recovery from, from Last, last Man Standing. Standing. Good yeah. Stuff, yeah, yeah, and every time I see it, like I do have an urge to like, because I follow. It's like the quitting show smoking cigarettes. You know what I mean? It's exactly what it's like. Like I you see someone smoking, that, and you're like, yeah, ooh, but, but you don't really want to do it. It's like, that. but yeah, it's it, it, it's been hard for me because it, it's 
it's on everywhere. everywhere. It's like when you break up with someone and they're everywhere. <laughs> songs are about them. Like it, it, it's it's like breaking them. up with like five people at the same time because it's on like 12 <laughs> channels. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I can't show, watch TV so Let's say, going off the rails. Let's get back. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I'm Anyhow, fine. enough about I'm, I'm dealing with my issues. <laughs> what other so, shows are on in 2000? Well, well, we're on music now. Okay, sorry. music, sorry. Smooth. Like yeah. I said, I went a little overboard with that. No longer want to hear that song ever again. Maria Maria by Santana and the product G&B. I Want to Know by Joe. That's a good song. You know that song? Yeah, that's an R&B song. Everything You Want by Vertical Horizon. I don't remember that. Some other music. Higher by Creed. Quite possibly the creepiest, just douchebaggiest rock band ever. I'm not. I'm not gonna go that far. They were like, weren't they like a? They were like a surprise. Well, Nickelback Christian. is yeah, that's what you're thinking. I think that's what you're thinking of. Because Creed was like a Christian rock band. Yeah, kind their of. Their song, yeah. but they but they were like more metal. So like, but a lot of guys people. that I knew that liked them weren't very Christian. But I think maybe until they, until were, they, they realized like, it, like brainwashed. Exactly. Yeah. Until they realized it was Christian rock, and then that band no longer really made a lot of money. So anyhow, what else we got? Boy bands, In Sync, and Backstreet Boys were kind of out they there. I was having a conversation with a friend about a back, the Backstreet Boys. I couldn't. I have a hard time telling the difference between the two of them. NSYNC. Only one I know is that one of them had Justin Timberlake. I think it was NSYNC. Okay. Well, I know that now for a fact because we were going over it at work. And she was saying that she bought tickets. She saw the Backstreet Boys in Vegas and uh, they're actually coming to Milwaukee and at the Pfizer Forum. Like $120 a ticket. Is this a concert where they're coming with other people? Bags. Are they coming with other people? Oh, I don't know. I think that they I heard, must. I th- I've heard of some other concert where like New Kids on the Block are packed with somebody else as well. Oh, I thought it might have been this concert. Right. I might be wrong Anyhow. with that. Either way, it's for one hundred and twenty dollars. Just like, to see that. If you want to see Ooh. some middle-aged dudes, come over to my house. Give me one hundred twenty bucks. Rodrigo and I are here all the time. We're just hanging out. We can, we can dance a little bit. We my back's a little better. Dance or sing, but we'll try. We yeah, uh, we'll gyrate a little bit. One hundred twenty bucks to be on your way. We got it right? covered. No problem. We're about the same age. Yes. So Prince went back to using the name Prince after, in two thousand after, after being, being the artist formerly. Yeah, known he as was Prince. a. Before that, he was a uh, symbol Similar. that had no known pronunciation, which was pretty awesome. Pretty good. Kid A by Radiohead came out. You love that album. Yeah, again, like I, there's a recurring theme that I I wear things out, and then <laughs> too I just, much. I gotta throw them away. No kidding. That, like, I get to the I end. With that too. I don't really listen to radio yeah, anymore. I thought you were obsessed with them for a little bit there. I was. You were, yeah. right? Okay. But I got to the end of them real quick. Enough of this. Murder Noms by A Perfect Circle, who actually just came out with an album this year that's pretty good. Nice. I, I, Perfect Circle and Tool are probably bands that I can't really get sick of. I got you. I, I really yeah. enjoy them. The Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem came Classic. out. Classic. Stankonia. Classic. Outcast came out. Yeah, okay. I thought it was a pretty good year for hip hop. I didn't. I thought there was more than that, but I know that the two that you just mentioned they were pretty big, so pretty big albums for sure. Let's go to sports. The so top sports for the most important things that happened in sports that year: the Rams beat the Titans twenty-three to sixteen in the Super Bowl by a yard. By a yard, receiver Kevin Dyson extended and just missed the touchdown. Just France beats Italy two to one in the European final in extra time with a golden goal. If you don't know, Golden Goal was sudden death soccer. They had it back in the late 90s. It no longer occurs. Hmm. The Yankees beat the Mets 4-1. to The Lakers beat the Pacers 4-2, first of a three-peat. Tiger Woods wins the U.S. Open, the British Open, and the PGA Championship. He's the first golfer since Ben Hogan in 1953 to win three majors in a calendar year. That was the biggest deal in sport that year. So news. As we all know, the, the world didn't end in the year 2000. We all thought it was going to with this Y2K virus. A lot of, maybe some of our listeners out there, I mean, this was like 18 years ago now, may not realize what the Y2K virus or Y2K issue was thought to be. People really thought the world was gonna end. Yeah, like they thought- 1999 to 2000. Well, they thought because computers wouldn't go from from 1999 to 2000, they, they just figured, they didn't think that the computers would realize that. They thought it would restart to zero, that pretty much we were gonna go back to the stone age. We would be clubbing each other with, more like we would lose all of our financial records yeah, and all of our information back then. Robots would take over the world. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Like, it was crazy. Like, we... It was we a kind of phenomenon, fed into it. for sure. I remember. I we, we fed into it, for sure. Yes, definitely, because we, we were holed up in our friend's apartment. Instead of going out for New Year's Eve, everyone, maybe uh, something Most happened. everyone else was partying. We were we were <laughs> waiting we were waiting for people to ride in the streets and like, Just start looting. Just in case, see what happened. And we're like, I'm going to get me... I'm, we're going to get a 36-inch screen TV. <laughs> When this looting starts, and the receiver uh, on the Upper East Side of Milwaukee, and of course, it didn't happen. We just sat there. We ended up watching TV 
I remember sitting on a park bench, sitting on a park bench, drinking some beer, sitting right? on a park bench, <laughs> and, uh, behind the apartment, and nothing happened. We were sitting there waiting for something. Like the, we were like, wait for the noise, wait for it, wait for it. It was nothing. All right, let's go watch TV, guys. <laughs> we watched some ridiculous thing on TV. I still remember. It was like, uh, it Gary, was like Coleman Gary Coleman cartoon, Super Kid Bike BMX show. cartoon kid or something. I don't, I don't even remember the name of it, but Crazy. it was it was it was bonkers, and it, it was memorable. We didn't go to any parties. We didn't, didn't, it was didn't lame. do any looting. It was but. pretty lame. It was pretty lame. AOL bought Time Warner in 2000. I don't know if you remember AOL. If anyone remembers AOL, it still kind of exists. Big but people, right? Back back in 2000, I mean, people were still doing chat rooms. Right, right. Talking to people. <laughs> George W. Bush defeats Al Gore to become the president, and again, a callback. To what's happening now in Florida? Florida was a huge recount. Yeah, Florida was. I don't think it's going to go to the Supreme Court this year, this time with the Senate and the gubernatorial race in Florida. But it did. It did go to the Supreme Court in 2000, and it was by a five-to-four decision. The recall or the recount was halted, and George George W. Bush was declared president or president-elect of the United States. Slobodan Milosevic was overthrown in what remained of Yugoslavia in 2000. And Ilian Gonzalez was found clinging to life on an inner tube. Another, like, of Florida. interesting inverse mirror of what we're doing now. Like, yeah. back then, remember, it was like... People wanted this kid here. So, for our young people, people that may not remember, Ilian Gonzalez was a Cuban refugee who escaped with his mother and not his father in Cuba. His father remained and wanted his son back, demanded his son back. It was like a huge story for a little while. And then eventually, it was decided he had to go back to his father. They like raided his grandparents or his neighbors, wherever he was staying. They raided his house, full tactical gear. There's like a famous image of him like crying, getting torn away from somebody yeah. with a gun being held against the person that was holding it. It was a I, different I, time. And now, I remember the, you don't want to remember yourself. Sorry, yeah, I remember the public sentiment was, keep the kid here, he'd be better off. Uh, I mean, I think ultimately he needed to be with his family, but if, if that scenario presented itself today... I mean, especially in Florida. It would be a different world. I'm pretty it's sure. World. I think they'd be trying to get him out of there quickly. They would, they would not have been a story. They had to sit back right now. It wouldn't, they wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken as long. To, yeah, I mean. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the 2001 Oscars, and then we can get into the two movies. Right. So the 2001 Oscars took place on March 25th, 2001. It was the 73rd edition of the Oscars. As we learned previously, the Oscars was pretty much the first, like out of the main, major like movies tv and music was the first self-congratulatory so they're the first group of entertainers to give themselves yeah, basically exactly yes, exactly figures it would be actors. movie actors <laughs> best picture nominees were gladiator crouching tiger hidden dragon aaron brockovich chocolate and traffic and in reality gladiator Gladiator was nominated for 12 awards. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was nominated for 10, which is a record for a foreign yeah, film. film. From there, let's talk about the movies. All right. So let's start with Gladiator. Thank you. Let's do this. So Gladiator is a 2000 British-American epic historical drama film directed by Ridley Scott. The film was jointly produced and released by DreamWorks Pictures and Universal Pictures. It stars Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, and Connie Milson. They're mainly the three actors. There are obviously more people, but... Yeah. Yeah, those so are the that's three who I have as follow. Essentially, Kroll portrays Hispano-Roman general Maximus Decimus Meridius, who is betrayed when Commodus, Commodus, the ambitious son of Emperor Marcus Aurelius, murders his father and seizes the throne. This movie is inspired by Daniel P. Mannix's 1958 novel, Those About to Die. Gladiator was released in the United States on May 5th, 2000, and received favorable critics or favorable reviews from critics. It was against a budget of 103 million dollars. The film grossed 457 million worldwide, making it the second highest grossing film of 2000 behind the Great Restore Christmas. As Brian alluded to earlier, the film won multiple awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor for Russell Crowe, and three other Oscars. So essentially, the plot of the film is that in AD 180, Hispano-Roman general Maximus Decimus Meridius intends to return to his home after he leads the that Romans. Is, that, that's, a, that's a whole lot of name. Yeah, no. Decimus? <laughs> Decimus Meridius. Leads the Roman army to victory against the Germanic tribes near Vino Bono, or Vino 
Bona and the Limes Germanicus. The Emperor tells Maximus that his own son, Commodus, is unfit to rule and that he wishes Maximus to succeed him as regent to help save Rome from corruption. Commodus, upon hearing this, murders his father. Commodus announces that he is a new emperor and asks Maximus for his loyalty, but the general refuses. Maximus is arrested by guards and is told that he will, he and his family will die. He kills his captors and rides for his home near Trujillo, where he finds his family murdered. Maximus buries his wife and son and then collapses. He is found by slavers who take him to the Roman providence of Zucabar where he is sold to a gladiator trainer named Proximo. Although reluctant at first, Maximus fights in local tournaments and makes friends with two other gladiators, Juba, a Numidian, and Hagen, a German. His military skills help him win matches and gain recognition from other gladiators and the crowd. Proximo reveals that he was once a gladiator and advises Maximus that he must win the crowd to win his freedom. Proximo takes his gladiators to fight in Rome's Colosseum because Commodus has organized 150 days of games. Disguised by a mass helmet, Maximus debuts in his gladiatorial combat in the Colosseum as a Carthaginian in a reenactment of the Battle of Zoma. They go off script and kill yes. everybody, and they win the uh, and they and they Maximus win the war. Maximus wins exactly, and basically they're held back, or basically Commodus, you know, wants to kill them. The crowd is in favor of them, so they're held back from killing them by the, by the emperor. Maximus' next fight is a victory against a legendary undefeated gladiator. Commodus orders Maximus to kill the gladiator, but Maximus spares the, his opponent's life. He is called Maximus the Merciful by the crowd. Again, well, not making Commodus After happy. that initial battle in the Colosseum, doesn't Commodus come down and realize that Maximus is in fact Maximus? That's when he says this famous line about husband to a murderer. Indeed, and that's where, like I say, so basically Commodus was going to have them executed, but the crowd saves them and they are not allowed to kill him. So Maximus dis discovers from Cicero his ex-orderly that his former legions remain loyal. Lucia, Commodus' sister, Gracchus, an influential senator, and Maximus meet secretly. Uh, Maximus will escape Rome, join a soldier, topple Commodus by force, and hand the power back to the Roman Senate. Commodus learns of the plot by threatening Lucia and his Praetorian guard arrest Gracchus in the attack the gladiators barracks. Proximo and his men, including Hagen, sacrifice themselves to enable Maximus to escape. Maximus is captured at the rendezvous with Cicero, where Cicero is killed. Basically, that was a bad scene. Like, they have his buddy in the, you don't know, but his buddy's in the noose. They're like, he's like, don't come here. His buddy ends up getting hung. He goes to save his buddy. They end up shooting him as he's like being hung, so he can't save him. That was a pretty good overkill death. Anyhow. <laughs> a lot of overkill deaths. In this movie, agreed. Uh, in an effort to win back the people's approval, Commodus challenges Maximus to a duel in the Colosseum. Dun, dun, dun. He stabs Maximus before the match to gain an advantage. Hey, so it's more like, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I mean, if I'm gonna, if me and you were about to fight right now, you would just I stab would, me. Yes, I would, I, would, I would agree. I would stab you beforehand, probably near a vital organ. Fair enough. Despite or an his. Artery. <laughs> You would need to. Despite his injuries, <laughs> Maximus disarms Commodus, whom the Praetorian Guard refuses to aid. Commodus then produces a hidden knife, which Maximus drives into his throat, killing him. Maximus succumbs to his wounds. Before he dies, he asks for political reforms, for his gladiators and allies to be freed, and for Senator Gracchus to be reinstated. Maximus' friends and allies honor him as a soldier of Rome at Lucia's behest and carry his body out of the arena, leaving Commodus dead. At the very end of the film, Juba visits the Colosseum at night and buries figurines of Maximus' wife, son, at the spot where he died. Juba promises to see Maximus again, quote unquote, but not yet. And that's how the film ends. Sure. So let's just talk about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon a little bit here. Yes, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was released on December 8th, 2000 in the U.S. and on July 6th in Hong Kong and July 7th in Taiwan. It was made for $17 million and grossed $213.5 million worldwide. So gigantic success when you're talking dollars to dollar ratios. Huge, huge success. So I don't want to go over the entire plot because the the movie kind of winds and to me it almost had like a Quentin Tarantino kind of vibe where it was it was kind of there was parts of it that were told out of order mm -hmm. and there 
there's a whole little like vignette kind of thing in the middle about a love story that kind of takes you out of the pacing but it, to me for some reason it worked but anyhow the main characters of the movie are Lu Mu Bai played by Chow Yun Fat he is a he's a legendary Wu Dang swordsman and he pretty much starts the action of the movie Yi Shu Lin which is played by Michelle, Michelle, Yeo. Michelle Yeo. She is also a legendary warrior and a friend of, of Mubai and possible love interest. And Jen Yu. So she's the she is a, a daughter of a local governor who is arranged to be married, who longs for a different life. So the plot of the story basically starts when Chow Yun Fat comes to see Michelle Yeo. And he's He's a, he's a warrior who's seen, a, he's seen enough action, and he decides it's time to retire. And you can kind of tell he's got eyes for Michelle Yeoh, and he's like, here, take my legendary sword, the Green Destiny, and you know what? I'm done murdering folks. I'm going to lead more of a contemplative life, and more of a uh, uh, meditative, meditative life. life. Yes. So you, you kind of get the vibe that there's there's some kind of spark between them, that the two of them, some kind of chemistry. She she obliges him and takes it to an individual named Sir T, who says he'll be the caretaker of the sword until a, a rightful owner is found. So why, while uh, Michelle Yo is there, she runs into uh, Jen Yu, who she's arranged to be married. She's uh, she's staying there with her. her her family, who are visit, visitors of Sir T, and her and Michelle kind of get to, to know each other. Get, right? Yeah, they get to know each other, and she expresses great regret of not living, of basically living a compromised life. She realizes that she's arranged to be married, and she's okay with this because it's going to be a great benefit to her family. Her family. Yeah. Well, lo and behold, then there's a thief who comes and steals the Green Destiny, and that's where the action pretty much starts. starts. Exactly. Michelle and the thief get into a, a foot chase, sword battle, all the you know accompaniment that comes with a, a martial arts fight, and then from there, Chow Yun Fat comes back, and it's thought that he came back because he found out that the sword got stolen, but not really. He came to see Michelle, so you start getting the idea that these two are kind of moving in the direction to, to get together. Michelle, yo, she actually, when she's talking to this arranged, Jen, Jen uh, girl who was arranged to be married, mentions that at one point she was engaged to the best friend of Chow Yun Fat, who ended up dying in the battle. And out of respect for his memory, they were really not perceived a, they're not pursued they a relationship. Pursued a relationship. So it then turns out that not only is this thief in town who stole Green Destiny, but also Chow Yun Fat's sworn arch nemesis. The Jade Fox. So once he catches wind of that, he's all like, he actually mentioned in the beginning of the movie, he's like, well, he goes, I'm going to retire. He goes, I haven't, I mean, in, in clear foreshadowing fashion, I haven't avenged my master's death, but, you know. I can't, if I don't remember, it won't happen. Yeah. yeah. So then he realizes that, you know, I can avenge your death. This whole love thing that I may be having with we you. We need to show. hold off on that for a yeah. second. I got to deal I with this. To, I need to start murdering some people. I got to murder some people first. So he gets in a big battle with, uh, there's a battle ensues with uh, the Jade Fox, the Thief, and Mubai, Chow Yun Fat. Chow Yun Fat realizes that this Thief is trained in the Wu Dang ways of the warrior, and she's really good at it, and Jade Fox realizes that she's really good at it, and this Thief is the protege of Jade Fox, and she gets a little upset. She's like, you obviously unlocked the secrets of the Wu Dang manual and didn't tell me. So then there's some beefage between these two. And Chow Young Fat pretty much says to Jay Fox, I'm gonna kill you. He doesn't get to kill her at that moment because he gets interrupted by the thief. Yeah. We gotta deal with each other first. Who then we soon realize that Michelle Yeo knows and Chow Young Fat realize. They don't say it in particular. And that's the good thing that's the thing that's really awesome about this movie is the characters are so well written and the dialogue's so well written, like you know they know something, but they don't have to tell you directly. Yeah. And this isn't a foreign film, like you say. It's like this is yeah. acting. Like you can just see it. Like they, yes. they know what's going on. Yeah, I agree. They emote really well with their faces and with their body movement, rather than just straight murdering folks like a gladiator. Or wonderful speeches, which yes. is plenty yeah. in this movie. Well, let's get back. Perfect. So they realize that this thief, who is a very skilled warrior, is in fact Jen Yu, the lady who was uh, 
arranged to be married. At some point in the middle of the movie, Genio's former lover, Lo, I think they called him Dark Cloud, yeah. he comes back. They, they fall into this whole backstory about how they met. They met over fighting over a cone. Yeah, he, he, he was part of a traveling band of thieves who attacked her caravan while they were in the desert. He stole her comb. She wasn't having it. It was a brand new comb she just got, too. She, she like, chased him all over the desert to get this right? comb on. Yep. Yeah, and it was, it was crazy, like, the length she went. <laughs> to get her comb back. And I think the reason they used the comb was because it was supposed to be kind of something... You didn't. You weren't supposed to believe that she was just chasing her comb. Correct. She, there was some kind of... Reason for her to be go, yeah, going hand There was some kind of huge back. attraction that was already there that she was pursuing yep. other than the comb. And lo and behold, they fall in love. Yep. He expresses to her that he doesn't feel that he's worthy of her. He needs her to go, and then he's going to, you know, make something of himself and come back for her. Again, her father's governor. That's one of the reasons, like, you know, especially... She's in a high-profile position. I think one of the things that's really good about both these movies, because they're historical timepieces, you get a sense of the era. So, and, and we already know this if you have any idea of any kind of culture, right? Like, she was betrothed, like... Yeah. Like, you can only marry within a certain status, blah, blah, blah. So, like, clearly Lowell was not in that status. No, you either married even or higher. higher. And like so Lowell said that, yeah. you know, let me make, make like, let me make your dad proud of me, and then we'll get together. And, like, so they separate. It's not like today's standards where, like, Jessica Slumman. Literally. <laughs> she, yes. She, you won the exchange. I'm Dark sure, Cloud sure. in that scenario. You are very lucky. I'm not the original. <laughs> So Dark Cloud lets her go back, tells what well, doesn't let her go back, implores her to go back. She begrudgingly agrees, and he says he'll come back for her. So he, when he does come back for her, I think too much time has passed, possibly. So he comes back, and they don't say specifically how much time has passed, but enough to where the arranged marriage is happening the next day. So he comes back, and she's having nothing to do with it. And I think she's so, like, just emotionally twisted up. She's got this arranged marriage that's going on. She's secretly probably one of the best female warriors that ever lived. Right. Because Chow Young-Fat is willing to try to get her put into the Wu-Dang Warrior. We learned. Uh, uh, Academy or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, yeah. And she would be the first female ever. So she's, she's, she's got a lot on her plate, and then she just outright rejects him. Yeah. Turns out he crashes, I believe he crashes the wedding. I think so, yeah. Which puts her in a further tailspin and then sends her on some kind of like journey to where she is out. She's just, there's a part in the movie where she's just trying to eat a meal and dudes just keep on coming up to her where you can tell they have really kind of skeevy motives. Well, two things though, don't forget, she's rocking the sword. So everybody knows the yeah. sword. And so all these people who see her rocking the sword now want a lesson. They don't necessarily want to kill her, but they want to fight to learn. Well, the first time the couple guys come up to her, you can tell they. they oh, those two. Yep. Those, those guys seem a little, little impure. So she pretty much does she beat the hell out of those guys? I can't remember. No, she stops the fight before it starts by cutting their weapons in half. That's quickly. right. Yes. Yeah. With, with the green destiny, and then she goes to uh, another bigger place, an indoor place. And pretty much it's everyone. Like, this is the one on twenty, one on thirty classic scene yeah, you see in Mark Lawrence films. Which the setup is kind of weird. I mean, I, I understand why they set it up that way because they just wanted her to, you know, beat her, beat everyone up. Yeah. But like, they realize that she's a master because she's holding Great Destiny. Well, we just let her eat and then take it outside and stand in line. Like they all just like bum rushed to be like, give us a lesson. We need a lesson. Give us a lesson. Like, let me drink my tea and give, and give me some grub on. I'm a little hungry. I've been kicking ass for like the last like secretly. So. So then she does that, and then it, it ends up where she ends up meeting up with Michelle Yeoh again, right? Well, first, remember, she beats everybody down. One thing that we haven't mentioned is essentially Michelle Yeoh and, and, and Chow Yun-Fat are essentially, from what I read, and you can't really tell, so I had to read this, they're kind of like security firms, what they are. Yes. So, so yeah. they're investigating this now, and they're talking to the people who got beat up on, and they, yeah, they basically say, like, you know, we just came to give a lesson, and she was super rude. She just tore us up. And she, like, it was interesting because, as I said, you've seen this scene in all the martial arts movies, one out of a bunch, but she destroyed the entire restaurant. It was oh, yeah. actually hilarious. She was throwing people out so, of the, like, second floor. First she meets the fighters, and then Michelle Yeoh meets up with Jack. Yeah, yeah, and then they have a battle together. So, all right, so, so Jen does not want to get married. No. To her betrothed. She still kind of likes Lull, but she's not sure that she wants to follow Yeah, because Michelle Yeoh is stashed a little away on a mountain. At the mountain, at the Blue Mountain. She now has this opportunity to 
go be a student. So she's grappling with all these things. Yeah. And we learn that the Jane Fox has been impersonated or been hidden as in plain sight as Jen's governess. governess. So that's how they're connected. And then uh, essentially, you know, there's weirdness because Jen doesn't want to do anything. She's not really sure what she wants to do. Where Chow Yun Fat's like trying to get his sword back, and Chow Yun Fat takes the sword back. Mm-hmm. I think that's how they end up meeting up at this cave or whatever. And that's where like Jade Fax ambushes, she spits out a bunch of darts, he uses the sword, kills her, and we find out that he got stuck yeah. with one Which of the darts. Ironically was the same method that she used to kill all the Wu Dang masters when she um, ambushed all of them previously, which caused this course of action. And as you said earlier, and it's more alluded to, the big beef was that she gets mad at Jen because Jen's the master. Like that, That's where we learn. Like, what you Jen know. did was Jen unlocked the secrets of the Wu Dang manual and was able to master all the moves. And without sharing. Yeah. And even to the point where she insults the governess by saying you couldn't even decipher the drawings. Like, yeah. So that, that was pretty good. Like, like, I think Jen, Jen realizes that there's, like, I think she realizes that Jade Fox is not the proper person to, to have this knowledge. And she's kind of working as, a, you can tell that she's, she's conflicted. Balancing it yeah. out. Like, yeah. perfect, perfect she's she's keeping this from her because things aren't going to go well if she, she gets all this information. Well, it turns out Chow Yun-Fat ends up succumbing to the poison. He is able to control his breathing and blood flow while Jen runs off to get the antidote. Yeah, so she, she's running to get the antidote, but at this point where he's he's dying... This is where Michelle Yeoh and him have the most... You finally realize yeah, it all, like, the whole theme of the movie gets tied together, where basically they both led compromised lives, lives of regret, lives that they wish had been different now that they're at that Chow Young Fat's at the end of his. Jen comes back with the antidote, but it's ultimately too late. Michelle Yeoh, before that, Michelle Yeoh and him profess their loves, and I think profess their love for each other, and I think he said one of the best lines in the movie, where like he'd rather be a ghost at her side than enter heaven without her. Like, yeah. That's what he said, so yeah. it was a pretty good one. So, he does ultimately get his goal of revenge and love, but it ends up being too short where you can't experience it outside of just that brief fleeting moment. So, And then Jen, she ends up going, uh, Michelle takes Jen back to Aunt Lo, and they spend a night together, and in a flashback to a story that Lo told her in the middle of the movie about a man who jumped off a mountain. But did not die. Yeah, because he was pure of heart, he did not die. Jumping off the mountain was what made his wish come true. Yep, made his wish come true. Jen tells Lo to make a wish. He wishes that they would go back to their life in the desert. And Jen jumps off the bridge and seemingly is plummeting to her death, only at the end to show that she is actually flying through the clouds. So it leaves it kind of open-ended as to how, how like whether or not Jen and Lo will end up being together. So that, in a very large nutshell, is the film. plot of the movie. Agreed. So the debate is which movie is better, right? And let's get to that. Before we do that, we've talked about this off mic and I want to talk about it now. One of the things that I've used in the past when we've done these movie debates and arguments was whether or not the influence of a movie was important. And I've, I've weighed that more heavily than you have. In this case, I wasn't able to do that because both movies end up being quite influential in the sense that after Gladiator, it's like all Rome all the time for the next 10 years on, on, on TV and movies. You got the HBO show, you got you got a remake of the Spartacus television of the Spartacus television show based on the movie. You have the 300 that come out. It's like it's yeah. all that era. It's like you're like constant. And similarly, after this, it's like a rebirth in martial art movies. Many of us, as I say, knew who Jet Li was, say before this movie came out, who's not involved in the movie. After this movie, Jet Li essentially becomes an international superstar. And it paves the way for other international superstars to break mainstream. My favorite actor, martial artist, is Tony Jaa. He comes in after this movie as yeah, well. I agree that these movies kind of set forth a motion of, like, a, I don't want to say that these movies were ever, like, replicated in their in their greatness, but there was... Stylistically, all of a sudden, it's like, what's, yeah, what, what like comes on? Yeah, like, the genre that they were in became, you know, 
not not a one-off. It became pretty much a, a category. Well, we need we need a like it, like superhero movies are all the rage now. It's like well we need we need a, a movie that takes place in some kind of gladiatory kind of situation. Vibe, exactly. Or we need a movie that you know that like an martial authentic arts. martial art movie yeah. from a certain era, which yes. which again wonderful and it's good because all these stuff end up being really good. I like the three hundred. I love Hero. You know, like, like all yeah. the movies that come out after this, but uh. So, so that, that really kind of messed me up because I really couldn't use that as one of my tactics to, to debate it. So literally it was a head-to-head to see which movie was better. And we talked about this. I feel like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is a nuanced film. Whereas, Extremely. Whereas Gladiator is a bludgeoning film. Gladiator is essentially a B-movie with really good actors and a whole lot of really great special effects. It's a revenge-driven movie. That I won't go so far as calling it a B-movie because they're also both throwbacks. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah, but the plot, before, the, plot, plot the plot is B-movie. Like, it, someone murders my family, I gotta I gotta go and murder this guy. It's pretty A-movie, too. It happens everywhere. It's just a revenge movie. It goes, it goes on. It's but the point is... Death Wish. It's a, it's a, or Die Hard, like we said. It's a throwback. It is Die Hard, to, yeah. It's a throwback to the sword and sandal genre of the 50s. And, like, we read that that movie took a lot of plot points from other movies. So it took a plot point of Spartacus. I wouldn't say Spartacus is a B-movie. You know what I yeah. mean? That's what I'm trying to say. Like, that, 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 I'm not trying to argue with you. If you, get, if you look at the A-plot of this movie, though, which yeah. is some dude killed my family. <laughs> I, I, now <laughs> I am driven to go kill this dude, right? I'm going to get my revenge by revenging right. all over his face. That that's To me, that's, that's, that's a very simplistic plot. Whereas... Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, as you could tell when I was trying to rehash it, it there's a lot going on So much there. going on, exactly. Like, so much behind the scenes. There's so like there, People have so many... They're so conflicted where Maximus is just driven by revenge. Again, right? so agreed. So again, bludgeoning versus nuance. Turns out that he gets to save the Rome Republic <laughs> in the long run. But to me, that seems kind of... Tertiary, just kind of like... Just kind of happened while he was doing what he was doing. In the film. I can as agree with that. As opposed to what... All of, there's so much baked into all these characters and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon that's essential to them and to each of the dynamics between them. That if you take any of those aspects away from the character, like if you took any, like if you took the arranged marriage part out of Jen, she's a totally different Good character. character. Yep. If you take the saving the Republic out of Maximus, he's still a dude bent on revenge, revenge. Okay. And, which is I can't what, argue he's that. Being, right. what he's ultimately being driven by. I, I agree with that. And the other way I look at it, nuance versus bludgeoning, you can see it in the dialogue, right? The, the, like the oh, dialogue yeah. of Gladiator is a lot of speeches and yelling, which is cool. Well, he says a lot of famous stuff and a lot of really good, motivating type shit, but it's not like... He's a lot of soliloquy, you know what I mean? It's a lot of like, I'm going to talk about what we're going to do, and like, when you die, don't worry. Like, if you're already dead, it's cool, just keep fighting, you know? Like, and it gets, he really gets you going, you know what I mean? So, or, he says to me, the main lines. difference in, in these movies, there's lines like, I'm vexed, I'm terribly vexed. <laughs> or smile for me, brother. Or you sold me a bunch of queer giraffes. Stuff like that. I was yeah. reading a whole bunch of these lines. Or I am the father of a murdered son and daughter, or son and wife, and I'll get my vengeance in this life or the next. It's like, and then a lot of these things have turned been turned into memes and yeah, all kinds of. Stuff. Are you not entertained? So exactly. Like they're emoting through their like bombastic speech, through their ultra violence. Where in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the the dialogue is muted. It's real, like, commonplace things that you say to each other. But there's so much meaning behind it, and you can see it in their... There's gravity way, to what yeah, they're saying. in the way the that they're, exactly. they look at each other. Like, the way Michelle Yeoh looks at Chow Young-Fat and vice versa, like, you can tell they're in love, love like, yep. instantly. You don't need them to say, I love you, or have give some kind of impassioned speech about, you know, how much they, they're in love with each other. Like, that's right. that's... It's, it's obvious, so right? obvious that yes, you, you, you can't even you know deny it. I totally agree. I want to say something about so it borrows from Spartacus and it borrows from another film called another film called The Fall of the Roman Empire. And so it actually has both of those movies, both Fall of the Roman Empire and Gladiator, deal with the death of Marcus Aurelius, deal with a slave turned gladiator and then pop off into different directions but yeah. it, but they borrow from it so I thought it was interesting I, I really found it interesting like I say one thing that I found so dramatic about gladiator compared to Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon is that I love when movies take other movies and to make their own stuff and so gladiator kind of did that like it was essentially you have from that era right you have Seven Private Ryan and Braveheart where they have those mucky pitch battles and it's yeah. realistic 
you had that in the very beginning of Gladiator. That was pretty interesting. And then after that, it's like a sequence of Russell Crowe kicking ass differently. So it turns into Rambo or The Matrix or, or Die Hard, which, which was good because they borrowed from it, but it was using a whole bunch of new technology, the digital stuff, and it made it a really interesting film, whereas Crouching Tiger was such a, like, uh, throwback and then it was like an old movie style made movie like yeah. the CGI and they made in that movie was to get rid of the wires right like so I used to gripe about Gladiator because I was like it's so fake he killed the emperor come on let's get over it right and then I, I realized that as I was watching this movie I can't really make that complaint right because they're flying around on trees yeah, and, and, and like, on for some reason roofs. I remember so I I haven't watched I hadn't, hadn't watched this movie until we started Crouching Tiger and Dragon and I just watched it like last weekend so it's only I only got a week of this movie in me. So and I only watched it like like one and a half times. And um, the flying prior to watching this, I like the thing that I always like the lasting image I had of this movie was oh it's isn't it a movie where a bunch of people can fly <laughs> right like that's one of the that's, and Mary Poppins can fly right exactly. But when you watch it, it doesn't seem out of place, right? It doesn't seem like like when they first start chasing each other on the rooftops, which is an insanely quiet chase scene. Which is almost it was almost refreshing to mm. see, as opposed to what happens in like normal or gladiator even where it's just bombed, everything it's just, just gets destroyed. Exactly. They they gradually build it up where they're running on the on the rooftops, and then all of a sudden they're kind of like taking bigger leaps, and then bigger leaps, and then bigger leaps. So it doesn't just like jar you right away with like yep. how they can fly. Yep, yep. It just kind of shows that these are they're they're at, they're at a at a level of mastery with their craft that. You just it's above, it above what anyone can do. You literally hit it. So, yeah. as I said, I used to watch martial arts movies all the time, and I still love martial arts. And, like, the, the theme, right, is that they're masters of everything. Like, they're masters of space, they're masters of air, they're masters of this. You see it in all kinds of different martial arts stuff, like The One with, with, with uh, Jet Li, or you see it in, like, The Last Airbender, where the whole theme is you can bend air. So, like, I could, when I was younger, I could just buy into that. This is a fictional movie. I can suspend this belief and saying, okay, they're masters. That's why, they, that's why they can do this. I had a lot harder time when I was younger with Gladiator suspending this belief and saying that, you know, he just killed the Emperor. Like, that that, that disturbed me. Yeah. After watching the film this time, however, Joaquin Phoenix did, did such a good job where I'm like, okay, yeah, you killed him. He, he, he deserved to die. Like, he, I can live with it. Like, what took me out, right, in both of these films is that they both have essentially problematic endings because... To your point about the the, the Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon ending, did she commit suicide? Did she get her wish yeah. granted? Or what the hell just happened? Those are the three things that I kind of thought about after I've seen the movie many times, right? Gladiator, not only does he kill the Emperor of Rome, right? As he's hallucinating and dying, he makes a whole bunch of decrees, changes all of Rome for the next 20 years. He dies, not only no longer a slave, now he's a soldier all of a sudden, so he gets the most Devo eulogy in the world, and he gets to walk into heaven. All in the last, like, three minutes. So it's like, it was like... They're, several bows have been tied. They're all so quick. Yeah. And I don't mind that necessarily, but it's like kind of cheapish. Whereas with Crushing Tiger and Dragon, I also don't really like that open-ended shit. I'm like, I like stuff to, like... Yeah. I like when the artist tells you what to do and it's supposed to be. But I found it better in terms of the actual ending. Like I say, both are problematic, but I find Crushing Tiger's more with in tune with being a good movie, I guess is the best way to yeah. put it. Because this almost... The ending of Gladiator almost ruined the film again for me. Not so much like when I was younger. I know when I was a younger person, I was like, this movie's dumb. This time, I don't say that. I just thought the ending kind of wrecked it a little bit. Two things about the endings of, of both movies. First, I kind of when we were talking, I referred to it as the ending of Crouching Tiger, or even the whole movie of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, is like eating a really fine meal and knowing that you would like to eat it again. Whereas Gladiator is just like stuffing yourself with a buffet <laughs> to the point where you're utterly satisfied by the time you walk out of that. You might like, have got something really good in there, like a piece of steak yeah. here or there, or a couple of really good things. But you top it off with some pudding. I think that you're so full you can't take anymore. You feel sick. Yeah, you, you just you, you you put you took all that in there and then you just poured a bowl of pudding on top of it and you're just you're a quivering now you're mess up. of just like yes. human fullness. And you're like, can't wait to take your pants off when you get home and pass that. Relax, exactly, yeah. exactly. So as far as the ending goes, I think with the glad with Gladiator, it's like a buffet where it's like everything is. You got everything. Here's everything. There are no questions asked. Like it's perfect. I got you. It's like perfect. Exactly. Like, everything you need is right here. Like you don't need to walk out of this movie thinking about whether or not Maximus is gonna be with his family. Like we all know it happened. Yeah, it's for a sure. fake. 
it's a fake sad ending yeah. to this movie. Like everything, even though he ended up dying, it's like, well, not really. Like he went to the afterlife and he's with his family now and everything's gravy for him. And like, again, he, you know, like, he, he suffered a little bit to get there, but fine, right? He got what he wanted. Whereas in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the ending to me where Jen jumps off the bridge, it's essentially she has to do that because when you, when she, the story that Lowe told her previously about the guy jumping off the mountain to find out if he could get his wish and, and if he was true of heart, he would, he would survive. She, wish, she would not die. She needs to know if she's true of heart because she's been so conflicted about who she is as a human being. She doesn't know if she deserves Lowe. She doesn't know if she should be a Wu-Tang warrior. She doesn't know if she should have stayed with the arranged marriage. Like, is she betraying her entire family? She needs to know where her heart is and if the wish of being with Lo in the desert is what she ends up ultimately needing to be, like, where she needs to be in her life. So she has to jump off the bridge to do that. Like, there, to me, it isn't an open-ended ending. Like, she jumped off the bridge to find out who she was. Perfect. She's floating I'm at with the you. end. So then you know, so then there's like, no, I got you. You don't, need to, you don't need to see, like, we know that she's in the desert with Lo. To me, that's how it ended. Nice, I like that. Again, it's but, like, but the, the beauty thing is, is, like, we don't need to see that to know that it's happening like it's you can interpret it another way too, possibly if you wanted to. That she committed suicide. She died. Committed suicide. Right. All of this was too much for her, whatever. Or she she went and did what she wanted to do. Or you don't know what happened at all. Like right, like, yeah. like, like which I know plenty of people felt that way because yeah. yeah, it's just. But the way to me, it to me, it, I like that. the answers are in there. It's not given to you specifically. You got to search for it a little bit. Yep. Work for it. And it goes back to the bludgeoning versus the nuance, like the bludgeoning theme. Yes. If you kill my family, I'm going to get you back. Like, okay, it's bad to kill people's family. is going to cause revenge. We're here, the nuance in Crouching Tiger and Dragon, both the both character arcs, right? Chow Young Fats, Mumbai, and Jen, I forget the actress's name. It starts with a Z. Yeah. They're both, and Michelle Yeoh, all three are characters who are not true to themselves until it's too late or until it's the very yeah. end of the movie. Like, or not, let me phrase that. Chow Young Fat and Michelle Yeoh are, are not true to themselves until it's too late. And... Jen is searching to be true to herself. Yes. There's a nuance in that film. Yeah, man, I get it. Like, in Gladiator, you know, you messed me up, I'm going to get you back, and it was awesome. He killed a tiger. Like, the way he was doing stuff was rad. Like, you can't argue with it. It was, it was fresh. Like, he it's was... Good to, it's fun to, fun to watch. Yeah. Blood everywhere. It was a blood and guts. Like, it was... It really was a blockbuster, like, set in a different time. And so, like, I feel like that nuance is so important to the, to the movie and just storytelling itself like because both directors are good like really scott yeah. and angley are geniuses right but you see how they do stuff differently it's just so much special craft in project tiger hidden dragon whereas it's like so much technological marvel in gladiator yeah. you know like because both movies and here's what i remember about this too is that both movies took a lot of credit for being authentic right for being historically accurate because I'm not so familiar with the history of Chinese people or the Chinese or the Chinese culture, I can't argue too much about yeah. whether or not too accurate. Unfortunately, the way we're raised, I know plenty about Roman history. We know for a fact that this movie's not accurate at all, and it, yeah. and it gives itself credit for being so authentic. And that's one of the things that I recall, like that bothered me about it. I'm a little less bothered by it by now when I watch it this time. It was, it was a good movie, you know. Like I can accept fudging history to make a plot point move along. Like I, I respect that, but it's like. Here, it's like, you didn't feel like they were fudging anything. It felt like everything was kind of real in Crush of Tiger and Dragon. You know what I mean? The authenticity of that movie, I thought was... I didn't bother to question it because it was such an enthralling story. Crush of Tiger and Dragon. Um, you can kind of tell that it's kind of fantasy-based. Mm -hmm. So, it didn't really take away if it wasn't historically accurate because I didn't really care. Well, the thing is, for me, is there's a scene in there where, like... I like these movies because they show you both stuff. Remember, there was a scene that, that's real small. You may not even seen it. I know you watched it twice. Like, they show, like, the the carts falling into, like, a track. Yes. That was cool. I, I thought didn't that know was, about that. Yeah, I thought that was that was amazing. I was like, that's such a good idea. And, and so, and also the stuff in Rome, like, they showed a bunch of stuff that, you know, we know was wrong. Like, we know, like, the college, the Basilica was built after the time that the story takes place. You know, like, it still looked fresh. Like, we know that, like, we know that even in the making of the movie... That movie was like one of those next level digital movies where like they're doing digital tigers, where they're doing real CGI, and you can tell, but yeah. and not tell. It looks good. Whereas with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it's practical effects. The only CGI is taking out the wires. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's another way that the movies are so different. Back to as I say, subtle this versus bludgeoning. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is a movie to me that won't age. 
just because it's shot so beautifully. The color of it is 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 fantastic. It's, wonderful. it's like a yeah. it's it's like a a muted kind of, but in, it's got a little bit of intensity to it in the colors. But it's kind of, the palette is kind of on the lower end of colors, but it's real intense on, in that end. But uh, it it just doesn't age because. You, if I watch it on a high screen, high definition TV, or if I watch it on like one of these old tube TVs, that it still I have looks in my good, house, right? It still yes. looks good. Like it, there's no aging on it because you can't see the garbage of the CGI on like a garbage TV. Yeah. Like you can with like the Tiger would look super fake on. Well, I didn't think it looked too bad though. Like, yeah. like I, to, to Brian's point, we, you, we should. You may, it may if you put it, if you put it on a super duper. Plasma high definition TV nowadays. Well, we should do a real. We should do a little sidebar. We during this advent of the the, the flash screens and super HD televisions, we were really turned off by Spider Man Two. Spider Man Two. Spider Man One was that whatever one of those Spider Mans that was all of a sudden on our TV and it looked like CGI. It didn't look very good. Yeah. I didn't find that with Gladiator when I watched it this time around. Like I thought it looked good because my TV still looks solid, and so like some of those movies. You can tell it's CGI. It doesn't look good at all now. They don't. Yeah, they don't yeah. age well. I thought this one aged pretty good okay. in respect to that. I'm, I mean, I'm not... it probably didn't have nearly as much as say like uh, the Star Wars prequels that were coming out around the same same time. era. You're totally right. And again, for me, uh, what I remember mostly was was that tigers were, were supposed to be CGI of that movie, and I thought they looked pretty good. Yeah, and I might be wrong. Maybe it's, it's a different viewing. But I just think standard. the fight the fight scenes were choreographed fantastically in Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like the the fight scene on the top of the trees. Amazing! Like they were actually on yeah. on ropes on in those trees, standing yeah. on those trees. It's insane, fighting. right? Like, no, it's crazy. It's amazing. It's very and it just movie. looks so authentic and so lush. And the thing that I really love about the movie is that it's not what, what what's called destruction porn, where yes, two people who are of actual like superhuman abilities, like these people are in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, aren't just totally destroying an entire village because they need to fight each other. Like what happens in every action movie post-2005, basically. Yeah. Transformers, Superman, all garbage. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like... Everything, I agree. It's getting to a point where it's like, all right, well, it needs to calm down because it's insane. It's unrealistic. Me, it's the Dark Knight trilogy did it in a way that's realistic. Crouch Tiger, Hidden Dragon does it in a way that's realistic. I think Gladiator did it in a way that was realistic. Yeah, yeah they, but, didn't, they didn't knock down any buildings from whatever. But it's a different world, exactly. It's yeah. a different world. I hear you. So I think without further ado, then, my friend, we should we should answer the question: Should Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon have won the 2001 Oscar for Best Picture? So when I look at Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon versus Gladiator, the the biggest thing that stands out to me is how better of a movie overall Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is. Not only is it more nuanced, not only is the dialogue more relatable. I mean, no one that I know speaks in soliloquies. No one. I don't think they did back then either. I mean, they did in, when they wrote it down and they retold the stories, sure. But to me, Grouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon is a more nuanced story, a more totally relatable story because you don't realize you what what Ang Lee does with Grouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon is he tricks you into watching kind of a touchy-feely movie by showing you all this awesome action. And I didn't realize to the end that all this whole movie was like I was so enthralled with what the characters were doing, what all the action that was happening. And realize right until the end when Chow Young-Fat is dying that this movie is all about regret not being who you really should be. Not living the life about, you're supposed to live. About uh, crouching your tigers and hiding your dragons, right? <laughs> right. So... <laughs> when you put it that way, good yeah. point. That's pretty good. So, <laughs> to me, that's what good art is. Like, you don't realize what you're seeing until after you've seen it. You can see it while it's happening. Like, yeah. when you're watching Gladiator and Commodus pretty much destroys Maximus's family and his life. It's like, all right, well, the only reason I'm watching this is for Russell Crowe to get revenge. Like, <laughs> right. I know what's happening. And Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is kind of a revenge story too, but it shows you, it doesn't just say like, okay, get your revenge and then everything else will fall into place and then you'll see your family again. Now, he gets his revenge, Chao Young-Fat, and he gets a minute of the Expressing himself, maybe it's like a breath. Two minutes and a half, right? Like exactly. Like, and then it's, it's all fluttered away, yeah. like it's gone. It is no like. And she lives on. It's not like they're yeah. they're together in the end. I she agree. goes on and lives her life. It's not like he's hallucinating about heaven. He's gonna go be happy, which is what happens with the crow. It's this is it's you didn't you wasted time. You had a chance to be with someone you loved, and you chose not to out of this sense of honor and respect. 
and now it's over. And now you don't have a chance to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That's what that movie shows. This right? is a theme that Ang Lee does again in a movie that I really like, Brokeback Mountain, that also got snubbed for Best Oscar for Best Picture. And he does it really well in that movie, and it does it really well in this movie. I mean, it's a little bit more, less nuanced. Brokeback Mountain is the gay cowboy version of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but without all the swordplay. Right. And you can kind of tell where that story's going just because of how it's structured, or, or the basic premise that uh, two homosexual cowboys in 1950 or 1960, mm -hmm. and, and you know that things aren't gonna end up well for them just based on if you know anything about history. So with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I wasn't expecting any of the, the nuance that I got in there. I thought it was just an action movie, and I was totally fooled in a good way. Right. And completely had my mind blown about how good it was, and didn't understand how I hadn't seen it in 18 years. So that being said, when I look at this movie versus Gladiator, I'm solely going on the fact of the quality of the movie, and I'm giving it Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon the best picture of 2001 Oscars. Interesting. I found both movies to be very good. Like, I, I remember having this debate and discussion with people plenty of times and always feeling that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was extremely superior. After watching the film, I kind of had to take, after watching both films, I kind of had to take a step back. I really liked Gladiator. Like, I was surprised at how much I liked it. And I've always loved Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I wasn't surprised about that this time. And it was for me, and it goes just, just like you said, I, I basically wanted to do a head-to-head -head meet and see what it was. And at the end of the day, the thing that I always go back to is weighing out the endings. And for me, the endings are, are so much different. I feel like the ending of Crush and Dragon is so much stronger, so much more depth, and so much more weight. Whereas Gladiator is, like you say, the cherry on your ice cream. It's like, it's like oh, it's a perfect little ending, now let's go. Like, and like, it's not based in reality. When you, things don't end. When you like walk that. up the theater watching that movie, you're like, yeah, Maximus, you know? And like, whereas when you walk up the theater of... Wall fight? <laughs> wall fight. Whereas you walk up the theater of Crushing Grand Dragon, you're like, damn, Chow Young Fat, you should have, you know, said more earlier, you know what I mean? Or like, and, and, and again, to your point, much more relatable. Like, everybody has experienced that kind of love and loss. We're like, I've never had my family murdered by a Roman Caesar. Like, revenge, you know revenge what I mean? Like, like, I've never had to exact revenge on anyone. Like, in the office, maybe somebody got me wrong and I had to send an email back, you know what I'm saying? But, like, no, you're right. Like, in terms of, I like, am husband to a murdered <laughs> stapler. Like, like, there's, and a broken ruler, and I will have my revenge. There's that kind of stuff where it's like, there's so much more to Crouching Tiger than there was a Gladiator. And that's not saying that Gladiator didn't have a lot, because Gladiator, I'm telling you, it was awesome. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, it, it was like Rambo and Die Hard set back in the day. You know, like, I think they did a really good job. And, like, it threw me, but at the end of the day, I've always loved martial arts, and this is still the best martial arts movie I've ever seen, like like bar none. I'm not necessarily sure that this is the best Gladiator movie ever, because Spartacus yeah. is pretty good, you know? And, and like, regardless, like, I don't mean it that way. Again, it was head-to-head, -head, and just going head-to-head, -head, I, I, I still like Crouching Tiger and Dragon more in this movie, and I give Crouching Tiger and Dragon the 2001 Oscar for Best Picture. Awesome, and I also think that when you look at these two movies, what you're kind of looking at is like a cross-section of our dichotomy of the American psyche where you got one end where it's all like just bludgeon everything to death and we'll get it done and the other end is more nuanced. I'm not going to categorize it by any names that are out there in, in society right now but I think there's that's I think that's inside of every human being mm -hmm. at least in I mean maybe more than just an American ethos where we think of you can get everything done by just pummeling it to death brute hard work or if it is contemplated being contemplative and you know trying to find your true self the way to go work hard or work smart yeah right so i think the movies work together and kind of are a good compare and contrast of, of, of where we are in today's society so in that being said i think it, us choosing crouching tiger hidden dragon kind of tells us where we're at in particular a couple guys that are pushing 40 you know, we're more apt to move towards something nuanced than... I mean, I hurt my back when I cut my toenails. I'm not going to bludgeon anything right. to get anything done anymore. I have to be nuanced and yeah. stuff like that. So I just think that this was an interesting topic to, and it kind of reflects on where, where we're kind of at in, in society today. I didn't see that, but I found it interesting when we talked off mic and that you brought that up. And I, I find it cool that you thought that when you saw all these movies. Because I, I, I didn't see that, but that's pretty interesting and I, I mean that's the magic of movies right it's like it, it, people get yeah. you get from it what you want from what and you and I see. think it's interesting that you can make a movie 
15 years ago and have it still they're both relevant movies exactly. today so and I and it's not taking anything away from Gladiator it's a very good movie I think it's relevant for today's times about where we're at in society where people are angry and they want revenge yeah right? exactly and against various things yeah so and then there's a part where we need to be more nuanced and have an understanding of what we're doing understanding what happens with those revenge actions when yes. they go on yeah exactly because yeah. you could get your revenge but lose everything in the end there you have it we that was the episode on crouching tiger hidden dragon let us know what you think you know if you think that our voices are horrible feel free to let us know you if, want me to break my back again let us know <laughs> please stop me from podcasting <laughs> yeah e- email us at alternative history podcast at gmail.com you can reach us on twitter at at history pc and we're on iTunes. iTunes, Google, Google Play. Remember, please subscribe, Stitcher. please comment, please like. I think we're on iHeartRadio. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. find us, rate us again. Give a five star review. We know you didn't listen. Yeah, exactly. You know your line. Before I go, I recommend both movies. Go watch them. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. Bye. The episode was over, but it's not. We want your money. This here is a shameless plea for you to donate to our Patreon account. We are at patreon.com slash alternative history podcast. As of right now, we're a non-profit organization that just keeps bleeding money. So if you can help us out, it'd be great. Ain't gonna lie. We want your money. We have our own money. Not a lot of it. But but we want your money. Yes. Your money is better than our money. So please donate. In all honesty, uh, there is a, some significant cost associated with running the podcast, the website upkeep, the technology involved with doing all this, not, not to mention the, you know, the time and the effort that we put into it. So if you do really appreciate it, we would appreciate it if you made a donation. If you want it to be considered hush money to shut us up, fine. Say that. Send a message. You tell us that. We'll do it. We'll 20 be bucks. Don't ever make another podcast. In all seriousness, we know that you guys can be spending your time on other things. We appreciate you guys listening to us greatly. So spend your time and your money on us. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day.